Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. Make your plans now to join us for the G3 National Conference, September 30th through October 2nd, as we'll gather for Christian fellowship and the worship of God through song and the preached word. Our theme for the 2021 conference will be centered on biblical Christology. You can find registration details at g3men.org. Get 15% off by mentioning code G3BAR. That's G3BAR. What's up, peoples? Have you ever tried to read through the Bible? How far did you get? If you're like most people, you probably fell off the wagon somewhere around Leviticus or Numbers. What if you did something different for 2018? Join Bible Study Tips and the Bar Podcast in the 2018 Bible Reading Challenge. Read the Bible with other believers committed to reading one to two chapters a day, memorizing a verse each week, and growing in your faith. The challenge kicks off on January the 1st, Visit biblestudy.tips forward slash 2018 challenge and sign up today. Welcome to Just Thinking with hosts Dara Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week to week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview this is just thinking let's think hey man it's good to be back i'm virgil walker and uh, you're with the just thinking podcast and i'm daryl harrison what's going on Virg? what's going on my man well, man, first of all, man, thanks to uh, all the listeners who are turning in, tuning in right now to uh, Just Thinking Podcast. And uh, if you're a first-time listener, let me just say that the podcast is an extension of my blog, which you can go to at justthinking.me, where we apply biblical truth to the political, social, cultural, and theological issues in our world today. So thanks to all the listeners, first of all. What's going on out in the Midwest, Verge? Not not much, man. It's pretty tame out here in the Midwest, man. We're, we're holding down. I actually had some un, unseasonably warm weather. And, uh, you know, on Mondays, man, you know, I try to get out. You know, I, I know we record this on, on Mondays and drop it on Fridays, man. I, I, use, I usually am just coming off of, um, and time doing some street evangelism and that yeah. kind of thing. So, uh, man, I'm I'm a little, little hyped up. I had a great time out there today, man. Got into a couple of great gospel conversations, and so uh, looked forward, man, to getting in tonight. Kind of settling in with the family a little bit. Got a little bit of dinner, and then rolled up, man, and and got ready for the podcast. So it's all good. That sounds good, man. That sounds good. You know, a thought just popped into my mind, man. I'm going to take this in a whole other direction here. Sure. But uh, do you ever watch that show, Live PD? Live PD? I, I, I don't think so, no. Yeah, so Live PD, man, is a, uh, re- it's about one of the most realist reality TV shows out there. It comes on mm-hmm. A&E on Friday nights and Saturday nights, and it's exactly as the title portrays. It is live. So you're following live local police departments as oh, wow. they make their rounds. And these are local police departments all over the country. But the reason I thought about it, man, when you said everything's pretty much chill, out in the Midwest. Well, anyway, before, when, whenever the cameras switch from one location to another, uh, they'll show this uh, this map, this sort of illuminated map of the United mm-hmm. States. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of cool, man, because east of the Mississippi, you got lights all over the place on this map. You know, all these cities all lit up and everything. But west of the Mississippi, man, it's just dark. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's dark. it's dark. It's dark till you get to California, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah, nothing happened. I know there's a lot of right. There's nothing happening. Nothing <laughs> happening, man. It's easy breezy. Hey, I had I had one I had one event, man. Okay, so I'm I, like I do 
I do street evangelism, street evangelism, two places, one kind of in the midtown, mid, mid part of the city where there's a lot of action. I do that on Fridays. And then on Mondays, I'm real close to my home, which is which is, you know, kind of West Omaha, uh, real, you know, real kind of kind of suburban, you know, um, you know, after, you know, folks, folks driving out, you know, driving home into their little little suburbanite kind of deal. So I, I look I look odd, you know, out there anyway. Right. Anyway, man, I'm, I'm out there, bro. I had a box with me. And um, I, I just put, dropped my box. I put it down. I walked back to my car. I go get. I got a few street signs. I'm going to get my signs. <clears throat> Man, apparently between the time where I dropped the box and then went to go get back to my car, <clears throat> somebody saw the box and thought maybe something was going on. Oh, and man. so they, they right, man. So they called the police. Oh, Oh my so next thing I know, man, I look up and and the cop is rolling up, and I'm like, oh, right. here we go. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, really? I'm thinking all the stuff I see on on YouTube and on on. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> you about to, first about to get arrested, <laughs> right? I'm thinking, here we go. You know, and so I walk up to him, you know, and I'm very respectful. Hey, officer, how you doing? Appreciate you being out. You know, he said, well, you know, just got a call, and uh, it's me and another another guy, another white guy, and. And uh, he said, just got a call. You know, they were concerned uh, about about what might be in, in your box. And I said, hey, man, you're more than welcome to take a look. And, you know, in fact, I said, it, it, you know, just go go take a look. over there. He, he looks over, man, my box. I got a I got a, a, a case of about 100, you know, hand, you know, handheld Bibles, man, in the yeah. box and uh, just stuff that I give away. So he checked it out, you know, made sure it was clear. And then, then, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at that as a gospel opportunity, man. So I start, I, I, I start going in and, you know, yeah. kind of sharing the gospel. Hey, reason why we're out here is love, you know, we love God, love our neighbor. Um, and we're here just sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, man, love to offer you a free Bible. You know, you can see it's not, it's not a, not a dangerous item, you know, that kind of thing. And so, uh, well, he was that very. On, that depends on who you right, ask. Right, right. <laughs> you're to these days. <laughs> right, right, right. So it was a it was a great opportunity, man. I just saw it as a great opportunity to connect with with just you know somebody else in the community. And what the yeah. the good the good news was, a you know he 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 was on duty, so he didn't want to take the Bible at the time, which was right. fine. Um, right. but at the same time, man, uh, it, it allowed other folks who were kind of watching how this whole thing went down to stop by man so i had i had even more people who stopped and asked me and said hey well you know what happened what happened so got a chance to talk to them tell them what happened and then and then share a gospel message so that's that's about the you know that's about the excitement that we get into out there at the doing doing street evangelism on the, in a in real real big big bad west omaha man that's how i know man i figure i figure once the lights go out on the street the street lights there in omaha man it's right. you know it's, it's, it's a wrap oh it's a wrap it's a wrap <laughs> <laughs> about 10 o'clock man everything shuts down man it's a wrap that's a wrap yeah, that's about what time live pd comes on the east coast man so i'm yep. like okay they shut it down out there in the midwest man it's yeah we shut night. it down man it's time, it's to, time to go to sleep go, time it's to go time, night night yeah it's time to go sleep. <laughs> we, what we tell people man is you know the, the farther north you go the colder it is and and Folks who want to get out and do crazy really don't want to be in the cold doing it. You know what I'm saying? So but look, man, the they, way they find I other it, places. How much, how much trouble can you get into in Omaha? That's not a lot I mean, of trouble really, to get into, man. Oh, that's it, what I'm thinking, man. Not, not like I am here in the ATL, man. Please, please man. I mean, come on, man. I mean, now, for the most part, man, it's pretty safe. Now, they, you know, you, 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 you talk to somebody else, they may have a whole different lens by which to examine things and you know, there's there's some reports that, you know, that uh, that there are parts of Omaha that are the most difficult areas in the country for for black men and and, and that whole thing per capita and all this. Yeah. They look at the stats and stuff. Yeah. But uh, but no, man, for the most part, bro, it's not a whole lot going on out here, man. We're just trying to hold it down. Well, man, shout out to Live PD. I just had to get that little plug in, man, when you mentioned uh, everything being chill out in Omaha. I'm thinking, man, everything's pretty chill west of the Mississippi, man. So yeah. it's, like, it's not just Omaha, man. But, but man, we got a lot of stuff to get into tonight, man. Bro, who are you telling, man? You blowing me up, man. I'm like, dude, he's... I need I need to get my my reading game up, man. I'm just I just finished up uh, my semester of seminary, man. I got I'm on I'm on Christmas break, so I'm trying to slow down, man. But trying to keep up with you, man. I'm gonna have to get my reading game up to speed, man. Yeah, you need to do that. Listen, man. This is just thinking podcast, man. We got to be ready to rock, man. We don't I, have I, to... I got I, I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm, right, yeah, I'm the right. wingman. I'm gonna be on it, bro. You know that. You know how that's that, how that works. 
Well, man, I know I threw a couple of articles your way, man. And I don't know if we're going to get to both of these tonight. Sure. But Verge, what I did want to do, man, is tackle this one first. Sure. Uh, this is one. This is an article I came across on News1.com. Mm-hmm. News1.com. The article is dated November 29th, 2017. The byline is Clarissa Hamlin. And the article is entitled BLM Activist, as Black Lives Matter Activist, to Start Church for Black Men in Resisting White Evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. So I know I passed this one off to you the other day, man. So hopefully yeah. you've been able to digest. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, di- I digested this one, did a little bit of research, make sure I'm, I'm on my A game. So I'm ready to rock and roll, man. What so you man, got? What you see? What you see in this thing, man? Let me tee this up a little bit, man. And then I'm, I'm going to read a couple of paragraphs to kind of set the stage for our listeners as it relates to context here. And then I got a trick question for you. Okay. Get, get ready. All right. So, so let me just read the first opening couple of paragraphs here from this article, again, from news1.com titled BLM activists to start church for black men in resisting white evangelicalism. The subtitle is the church will not collect money from members. So first couple of paragraphs, Black Lives Matter active, a Black Lives Matter activist is planning what appears to be a major act of resistance against white evangelicalism in Memphis, Tennessee. Jomo Kenyatta Johnson, a Christian pastor and co-founder of the BLM Savannah, Georgia chapter, will spearhead the Church for Black Men. A quote, now this is, I'm quoting from the article, this is the description of the church. A church for black men, quote, a new Christian denomination of house churches, unquote. Mm-hmm. In February 2018, members will meet in the, quote, familial setting, unquote, of a home in congregations that will not exceed 25 people. Mm-hmm. Johnson, who garnered national attention for his hunger strike to raise suicide awareness this summer, said in a news release to the Memphis Flyer. One last line. The church, described as, quote, primarily black and not exclusive to only African-American males, will not collect any money from its members, a practice that is common in the black institutional life. So here we have this brother by the name of Jomo Kenyatta Johnson, mm-hmm. who in the article is referred to as the founding uh, founder of the Black Lives Matter chapter in Savannah, uh, Georgia. Uh, so his initiative uh, being to start a church for black men only that's supposed to launch in February of mm-hmm. 2018 uh, to focus on uh, the, the article goes on to say uh, uh, that, that the reason the black men do not connect with the American evangelical church is because the church refuses to suffer with blacks and therefore are unable to communicate in the message by which black men can understand. So I kind of uh, jumped around there, but that's essentially the uh, rationale behind starting this church uh, as a, as a, uh, a uh, I don't know, I don't want to call it a protest, but sort of an alternative mm-hmm. to white evangelicalism with the primary reason being that black men do not connect with the American evangelical church now with that said verge trick question okay why do you go to church (laughs) well you're a black man no why do you go why do you go to church that's a trick question yeah no 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 that reason one is definitely to gather with the saints uh to worship god uh you know as a pastor i'm there to to equip saints for works of ministry um, but man, ultimately, it's to it's to worship, it's to worship the true and sovereign God. You know, well, I man, the reason why I gather is primarily to you know in, enjoy a fellowship with the saints, uh, but to worship God. Man, that that ultimately is at the end of the day what you know what we're supposed to do as a as a pastor. I have a responsibility to equip saints for works of ministry. So, man, as I'm thinking through it. You know, I, I can't think of any other reason, man. I'm kind of rolling through my mind and go, go, kind of going through scriptures, trying to come up with where where we were or what you know what what I'm missing. But man, that's those are the reasons why we gather, man. Yeah. So so let me tell you why I asked that question because here's this brother 
Mr. Jomo Kenyatta Johnson, who is going to start a church. Okay. A church for black men. Okay. Mm -hmm. Black men only. All right. Now he's not starting a Buddhist temple. Mm -hmm. He's not launching a, an Islamic mosque. Right. He's not launching a Jewish synagogue. Okay. He is not launching a Hindu temple. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the rationale behind my asking you that question about why do you go to church? The context is why do you go to church as opposed to why do you not attend a mosque? (laughs) Right. Why do you not attend a synagogue? Why do you not attend a Hindu temple Mm -hmm. or other place of worship? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, the reason, the reason we don't, the reason you and I as black men go to church, and I'm going to refer to the word here uh, to, to sort of uh, underscore my, my response here to, to, to why I asked that question. John 6, 68. This is Simon Peter speaking to Jesus. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. life. Absolutely. That's why we go to church. Absolutely. Because it is in the church within the, and more globally within the Christian worldview mm-hmm. where we find the words of eternal life. You see, mm-hmm. so I hope this is making sense. Where I'm going with this is that this brother is starting a church for black men. Okay, so I would ask this brother, if he's if he were on our podcast right now with us, I would ask him, why are you starting a church, brother? Right. Fundamentally, the answer is, as Peter said in John 6, 68, because the church is where we find the words of eternal life. Absolutely. Not the words of an answer to <laughs> respond to American evangelicalism. Right. You see where I'm going this verse? I do see where you go. Absolutely. All right. So that's the purpose of the church, Brother Johnson, is to to be exposed to and to prayerfully have the words of eternal life penetrate your heart, not as some social justice alternative to American evangelicalism. So that's why I pose the question to you. No, I, I think, bro, I yeah. think, it, I, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a solid question to ask. I would, I would understand his position if he were a novice, you know, a new believer who hadn't been properly discipled. Um, if he were, you know, just, just, you know, maybe, maybe not in the faith, maybe, a, maybe a cultural Christian. Yeah. Um, but, but this guy, man, according to the article, uh, a. Uh, was was a member of a Presbyterian church. Yeah. Um, and B is a Westminster graduate, seminary graduate. Yes. Who should who should know the word of God. Yes. And have been properly trained. Right. So how so how so how is it how is it possible, man? Maybe you can help me with this. How is it possible, man, that these guys come out of those settings? I mean, I'm sure going in, he he didn't he recognized that he was, you know, he's probably one of a handful of, of black faces in the mix. And at some point that didn't seem to bother him, but, but over time it did. I mean, what, how did, how did, did he just get woke or something? I mean, what, what took, what happened? I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it's like that old, uh, adage goes, you know, melanin is a powerful drug, bro. <laughs> it's, it's a powerful drug, man. I mean, <laughs> I'm looking here in the article, right? So I'm looking again here in the article. Uh, towards the end of the article, it reads, in providing refuge for black men and catering to civic concerns, the church will forfeit tax-exempt sat- status. Uh, Johnson added that he insisted that the churches will, will welcome other demographics through its doors as guests. But if um, you know, So you can't be a member unless you're black, you know, black male. But the article talks about the church providing refuge for black men. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I just cannot buy into that because that is not the purpose of the church. It, you know, and it's puzzling to me here, Verge, because as, as more and more 
we generalize around American evangelicals, and let's just go ahead and call it what it is. Whenever you see the term American evangelicals, what you're really talking about are white evangelicals. That's mm-hmm. really what, what they're referring to. American mm-hmm. evangelicalism is code for white people, white Christians, uh, white fundamentalist evangelical Christians. So let's just go ahead and call that what it is. Right. But it seems to me that people like Mr. Johnson here are essentially advocating uh, for uh, American evangelicals to stop sinning against black people. Mm-hmm. Now, if that's ultimately the goal, if that's ultimately the objective, why would you segregate yourself from the very people that you're wanting to change? Right, right. Absolutely, absolutely counterintuitive. Um, your complaint, the the complaint to the point you're making, the complaint is that that whites have a have a supremacy about them, have a have a political leaning about them that is exclusively beneficial for those of their own race, and we see that as as negative, as problematic, uh, as as evil. Yet, in an effort to rectify or to fix the situation, we then entail we we then, we then decide that we're going to do the exact same thing, right? Uh, in 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 in, a, in an opposite direction as a as a as a kind of a, a counterweight, a counterbalance, if you will, to what's already happening on the other side. Yeah, it's like that Common Core theology, really. <laughs> it's sort of the theological version of common core math where <laughs> in this case sep- you 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 uh it's addition by separation <laughs> so i'm supposed to ultimately bring us together by separating from you bro you got you got to put that in a meme man you got that common core theology that's you got to put that in a meme bro i mean seriously man i'm looking at uh <laughs> Because this is what we do, right, bro? I mean, we bring the gospel to bear on these issues. Mm-hmm. I'm looking here in Luke chapter 5, verse uh, verses 31 and 32, mm-hmm. where Jesus says, it says, And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. Mm-hmm. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, again, I don't buy into this brother's rationale at all. Mm-hmm. But the point I'm making here, let's just go ahead and for the sake of conversation, give him the benefit of the doubt. Sure. What do you, Mr. Johnson, propose to achieve by starting a church, a, a an ethnic targeted, a, a church targeted at a particular ethnic demographic, which will, by virtue of that, segregate you from those who you feel don't understand you, cannot relate to you, don't care about you from a suffrage standpoint, what do you expect to achieve uh, from that? So not only does, is that counterintuitive, it's counter-Christian. Mm-hmm. Because look at Jesus's earthly ministry, right? He went where the problems were. He went where the problems were. He didn't separate himself from those problems. He went where they were. He went to where the sin was occurring. So even if I were to give this brother the benefit of the doubt as it relates to his overall concerns, the way in which he is going about addressing them, right? I'm not going to say they're wrong. They're worse than wrong. They're unbiblical. (laughs) Unbiblical. That's worse than wrong. Absolutely. It's a, it's a, and again, I, I, I keep going back to uh, this guy is, is theologically trained. I, I can't say educated uh, because apparently he didn't learn not, not a thing from what he was reading and studying. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm walking through seminary now, man, it's no joke. I'm, I'm assuming mm-hmm. Westminster is a, is a really robust, you know, Theological Training Center and and uh, yeah, no, I and I don't know which one he attended because I know there's one in Philly, and yeah. then I know there's one on the West Coast in California as well. So the article doesn't say which Westminster Seminary he attended. 
Mm-hmm. But either but, but, either one would be good. Either one would be good and and would be sound. And so again, I, there, there's so many steps in the process. One that that he was in that space and place, and then two, how you go from that uh, and being a part of a Presbyterian church to uh, where where I'm guessing to some degree he was he was embraced at, or at some point he felt that way for him to have placed membership there uh for him to adopt black lives matter or black liberation theology right. um i i don't i don't i don't get that and then again to the point you're making man just to add to it uh for for him to think that that the way to go about it is 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 through segregation and seclusion um, it is a is an anti biblical position um, that 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 really you can't really find justification for right. See, Further and, and, to to put insult onto injury to call it church um, where where only a certain race. I, here's the thing, bro. I, I wouldn't even have a problem. It wouldn't even be so hard to swallow if this brother said, "Here's a uh, a, a, a racially uh, homogeneous." Uh, area. There, there's a lot of blacks, the concentration in this space, and I'm going to go plant a church. And so because of the nature of where I'm at, the predominant you know, predominant population group is going to be uh, uh, black. I, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. But when you take further steps to isolate yourself, to say this is only a space welcome to a certain racial group, and that those who, who come, that they, they'll be visited, they, they can visit uh, but they won't be allowed to place membership. How, what, ba- based upon what? What's the scriptural basis for that? Right. I mean, a, a believer, a believer in Christ who's repented of sin, placed his faith in Christ, um, has been baptized. I don't know how you don't allow that person full access to membership, uh, and, and unless you're willing to admit that that the policy that you've you, that you've placed the label church over is a racist policy, right? Man, I totally agree with you. And again, you know, again, just so our listeners are aware, according to the article, you can visit this church if you're not black, but you have to be accompanied by somebody who's black. Wow. <laughs> I wonder so, what that's like, man. Like that's the that's the kind of stuff a, a, a street preacher like me would love to test. Like, right. like you know, if you had if it was in reverse, if somebody somebody would say you can you can come. I would try. I would go there just to just to see what would happen. Like, I would just want to experience like. How, how you would throw me out or get me out or, you know, that's, that's the antagonist in me, I guess. Yeah. And see, I got a little bit of that in me as well, but, right. you know, but that's why I admire your gift, man. I don't have that gift that you have with respect to uh, doing street, street ministry and whatnot. You know, my ministry is kind of behind the keyboard and kind of writing stuff out, but <laughs> you keep again, doing you, know, as we talk to <clears throat> exactly, bro. And, uh, but here's the thing, man, the, the more I sort of flesh this out with you, I keep coming back to a fundamental question. Again, one that I would post to this brother, if I could speak with him, is why are you a Christian to begin with? Mm, because there are other, and, and we've said this before, man, we've touched on this. There are other worldviews out there, mm-hmm. worldviews that are old, that are older than Christianity, mm-hmm. okay, that speak to the very same uh, remedies that this brother is seeking. But why are you trying to do this through the auspices of Christianity? Why not right. do it? through Islam? Why not do it through Buddhism? Why not do it through Kabbalah? Why not do it through uh, Hinduism? Why not do it through Mormonism? Why not do it through some other ism right. uh, or worldview? Why is it Christianity? See, and I'm asking this question somewhat rhetorically because we know what the answer is. Right. Because Christianity is the truth. Right. The truth being that Christianity is the only worldview that offers a way for us to be right, us as sinners, innately sinful human beings, mm-hmm. to be right with a holy God. And where does that message get lost in all of this? And see, that's what's sad about this. The brother's starting a church right. that has absolutely nothing do to do with yeah. the fundamental reason yeah. for why the church exists to begin with. Right, right. And, and again, my problem is that you put the label church on it. Right, right. And, and I, I mean, it just, it just accentuates what you just said. I mean, just accentuates it. So, so anyway, you know, so we want to touch on that a little bit and uh, uh, you guys can go out and there, there are multiple uh, websites that were carrying this article, but yeah, again, this I is on uh, news one.com. 
mm-hmm. BLM activists to start church for black men and resisting white evangelicalism. Go out, check it out, read it for yourself, draw your own conclusions and whatnot. But uh, we wanted to touch on that tonight. So Virg, what I want to do, man, I want to switch gears. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to see, man, if we, in these next uh, 15 or so minutes that we have, man, if I could switch gears and touch on another piece, another article that just kind of crossed my desk uh, today. I, I think I think this I think this one is worth taking even even a little more time. And for our listeners, if we could just ask our listeners to stick with us, man, I'd love to at least um, offer a good good twenty minutes to this, man, so we can kind of unpack it because there's a lot of meat in this article, and I, I know you've got some thoughts. I've got some ideas as well. There's some things that that I think we could we could both chop up here. So, well, well Verge, why don't you go ahead and tee this one up, man? Go well, ahead man, this this this, this 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 was a good one, man. This is uh, the, the the name of the article. Uh, I'm looking at it. Uh, I'm guessing it's off of the witness. Uh, you can yep. check it out at the witnessbcc.com. I guess the BCC is for Black Christian Collective. Uh, com. The article uh, title of the tar- of the article is White Evangelicals Must Ask Quote Why Does Our Theology Lead to Republicanism? And that's right. a question and and quote. And so I didn't I didn't catch uh, the byline and maybe it's at the very end of the article. This is Jamar Tisby. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. So this is Jamar Tisby. And, and he's he's kind of walking through the politics of white evangelicals. And, and basically I, I, this 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 kind of begins. And man, I, I hate to characterize it up front, but I'm going to. And then if, if for those who disagree, they can they can deal with me. He's basically dealing with the with the whole Roy Moore issue. Uh, and, and I know that this stems from a a, a debate that that, I, that that Jamar has had uh, that that goes back to the very beginning of the election of, of President uh, Donald Trump. And so the kind of kind of heartburn about that. And then and then again, this this the same theme revisits itself Um, again. He says this and I'll I'll just read a a portion of this. It says the latest debate about evangelicalism stems from the criticism that the voting habits of white evangelicals call their Christian ethics into question. And so so that, that that's kind of how it starts. It's a, uh, December senatorial race in Alabama featured a Republican candidate and an outspoken evangelical uh, and uh, an outspoken evangelical rather Roy Moore who according to multiple credible accounts sexually harassed underage teenagers when he was in his 30s. Yet white evangelicals still voted for him by an overwhelming margin although turnout dropped from 47% to 44% of those who voted and then 80% still pulled the lever for more. He's got a bunch of statistics in there and kind of looks at the whole breakdown, yeah. but, th- but then he goes back and kind of litigates, um, you know, previous elections, which I, which I kind of mentioned uh, uh, the, the Clinton Trump election. He goes back and looks at Romney, Obama, McCain, Obama, Bush, Kerry, uh, Bush Gore, all the way back to 2000. And then, and then just kind of makes the case, uh, with regard to primarily white evangelicals, which I think is a, it, they talk about, they talk about a broad brushstroke, um, right. yep, you know, exactly. what, what, what we call, what, what, what you, what you're deeming white evangelicalism right. is, you know, is, is, is pretty broad uh, there. And, and so you, they're looking at it and trying to separate uh, demographics based upon race, uh, according to, I guess, politics that he's not in favor of. But there's, there's a lot that to drill down into. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to play the wingman role. I've got, I've got little, I've got little things I'll, I'll throw up, man, as, as, as you kind of press through this thing, man. And, and, uh, but, but what, what were your initial thoughts as you picked this apart? I know you, you kind of set this to me here uh, later on the week and I, I was looking, I'm like, man, there's a lot of meat here. So I really want us to to take our time and walk through this, bro. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. So let's take our time and walk through this a little bit. You kind of uh, already quoted the paragraph that I was focusing on, uh, Virgil, when you sort of read through that a second ago. But in that paragraph, the subtitle is The Politics of White Evangelicals. Again, the sentence reads, the latest debate about evangelicalism stems from the criticism that the voting habits of white evangelicals. Okay, so let's talk about voting habits, okay? So in the piece, uh, on the witness. And again, let me preface my comments by saying that what I'm going to say here in critiquing this article is not personal towards Jamar Tisby. Okay. I have much respect for Jamar Tisby. He's my brother in Christ and always will be. However, I do have somewhat of a, uh, a response to 
the the uh, the the framing of this argument in that if we want to single out the and I'm putting this in air quotes the voting habits of white evangelicals why are we not also singling out the voting habits of black evangelicals mm. so in the article from the witness uh uh Mr. Tisby inserts a chart from the uh Pew Research Center uh, in response to this is sort of an exit poll question. Would you describe yourself as a born again or evangelical Christian? So 80% of white born again Christians, according to this chart, voted for Roy Moore. Okay. Uh, everyone else, which is the other category, 76% of everyone else, everyone else meaning non-white born again Christians, 76% of them voted for Doug Jones. But you know what, though? I did a little bit of digging uh, myself in that regard, just trying to add a little more objectivity to that data. And so we talk about voting habits. Well, on the flip side of that, 96% of Blacks voted for Doug Jones. Mm -hmm. Now, only 80% of white evangelicals voted for Roy Moore. But 90% of Black voters voted for Doug Jones. So mm -hmm. if we want to talk about voting habits, let's talk about all the voting habits and not just to single out how white evangelicals voted. Because if you want it, what, what we're trying to do here, and I agree with you 100% version of what you said earlier, we got to stop painting with such a broad brush when we talk use the term white evangelicalism as if mm -hmm. to say we know factually and definitively what every white Christian evangelical was thinking right when they cast a vote for Roy Moore mm -hmm. or let's turn the clock back to November 2016 when white evangelicals cast a vote for Donald Trump I went back and dug up some data there as well same source same source Pew Research Center mm -hmm. the same source that is cited in the Jamar Tisby piece there's a poll question here uh, or, or at least a, a data point here in uh, the uh, Pew Research Center uh, data. And I'm reading from the pewforum.org. So this is Pew's own website, a data point with respect to evangelicals, election choices. Were they driven more by opposition to Hillary Clinton than support for Trump? Well, if you look at this Pew Research data of uh, white evangelical voters who voted for Trump, 45% of 45% of them said that their motivation was mainly a vote against Clinton. Mm. Only 30% say that their vote was for Trump. So what I'm trying to do here is just add some context to these numbers. You just can't throw a number out there. And I listen, at my day job, I work st with statistics and data all the time. You can make a data point mean whatever you want without mm -hmm. context to it. So mm -hmm. if we're going to point out and try to create a narrative just by looking at what percentage of white evangelicals voted for Roy Moore, and then from that uh, sort of exegete a story, <laughs> a narrative without digging below the number to try to provide some context, then we should do the same in pointing out how almost 10 out of 10 Black and listen, at least only eight out of ten white evangelicals voted for Roy Moore, but for Doug Jones, you had almost ten out of ten black voters vote for him. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, which is predictable, unfortunately, which is predictable for black voters voting along straight Democrat party lines. Every, I don't care if it's a presidential election or a midterm election. You can guarantee, you can bet your mortgage that a minimum of 95% of black voters are going to vote Democrat going mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. I, I totally so, agree. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing of interest. I mean, the, the article goes on to, to kind of walk through, he quotes uh, Michael Emerson uh, divided by faith. Um, and, and he, he accounts for, you know, three, there's three different cultural tools that white evangelicals parse racialists use in America. And they are accountable, free will, individualism, relationalism, and anti-structuralism. He goes on to break down what each of those means. And then from the definition that he provides, he kind of expounds upon what, what he believes 
uh, you know, his interpretation of what what those mean. And and let, let here's in, in an effort to be fair. And I think you set this up well. It's not a, it's not a um, you know, I, I, I don't know Jamar. I, I, I know he's been uh, been on the bar podcast in the past. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I do I do recognize, especially during this election cycle, um, a lot of what what he has kind of written, uh, especially with rela- when it, where it relates to politics, seems to slant in a particular uh, direction. Uh, and and I'm disappointed. And here's why. But let, let me let me let me say this. Let me first start because, man, I've got too many things going on in my brain at one time. I don't want to confuse anybody. Let me start by saying this. First of all, let's 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 grant what he's saying in the article is true that for for the wrong reasons, for the wrong theological reasons, white evangelicals are making voting decisions that are antithetical to a biblical worldview. Okay, let let's grant that that's that that's accurate. Okay, I, I I'd have no problem uh, probably agreeing with him on a number of accounts with regard to that. But to the point, brother, that you made earlier, we've got to also take a look at what black evangelicals are doing right and ask the exact same question as same question as we should hispanic evangelicals as we should asian evangelicals if we're gonna if we're gonna break evangelicals up in their ethnic uh backgrounds then then let's do the same in, in in every instance and 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 examine it why because it basically what he does man in this article is he he calls what's being done here sin uh he he said the basis upon which we're making decisions are 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 actually our own sinful conditions rather than the theological underpinnings that we claim to hold dear and and i i, I here's the thing i don't disagree with them i don't disagree with them I think I think there are reasons people voted for Trump that are not related to having a a a, a biblical worldview lens. I, I myself I didn't vote for Trump, okay, um, and so th- there were reasons why that for me were theological in nature. But but we've also got to look at if we're going to look at things in a in, on on a fair basis. To the point you made, bro, we've got a, what in the world would cause 97 percent of blacks, many of whom are affiliated with Christianity in a church to vote for a guy who advocates child sacrifice, who have. I mean, there's all kinds of issues that are that are there that would cause you pause that didn't seem to cause these folks pause as they race to the polls in an effort to pull the level lever for someone Democratic. See, Verge, and see, that's you're touching on the point of frustration for me. <laughs> Again, nothing against Mr. Tisby, man. I mean, he's my brother. I, I don't know him. I've never met him, but he's a brother in Christ. So that's the that's the the perspective that I'm coming from this from. But but if he's going to point out, as he does in his his piece, a uh, quoting who according speaking of Roy Moore, who according to multiple credible accounts, sexually harassed underage teenagers when he was in his thirties. Now, if we're going to, if we're going to call out or present a moral standard, a moral, moral or ethical benchmark against which you're going to argue that a candidate is not worthy of a vote, Mm -hmm. then let's be fair here. How do you juxtapose 96% of black evangelicals supporting a man in Barack Obama, mm-hmm. twice, mm-hmm. twice in t- 2008, 2012, twice supported this man by the exact, the exact same percentage, around 96%, who openly advocates unbiblical positions such as same-sex marriage, open uh, equality for homosexuals, lesbians, and gays, open and a staunch advocate of abortion and supporter of Planned Parenthood mm-hmm. all the way through partial birth. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if we're going to, if we're going to set a moral standard for somebody, a biblical relates, moral standard, a biblical moral standard for some, for, for a voting block, in this case, white evangelicals, bruh, we got to do the same thing for black mm-hmm. evangelicals mm-hmm. who went to the polls in mass. And mm-hmm. again, Almost 10 out of 10 
voted for Barack Obama in 2008, voted to reelect him in 2012, and then turned around in the state of Alabama just a few days ago to vote for another candidate who, as you as you very well put it, favors child sacrifice, which mm-hmm. is fundamentally what abortion is. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. why do we focus on abortion so much as it relates to black voters? Well, abortion in America as a uh, as a as a pursuit, a virtue, as macabre as that sounds, has its origins in the black community. Mm. Margaret Sanger and her Negro project, which was an antecedent to what is called now today Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. Margaret Sanger launched her Negro project in 1939 with the express express purpose of eliminating black children and thereby prohibiting the propagation of black families. Margaret Sanger was in, was a eugenicist. Mm-hmm. If you're not familiar with that term, I encourage you to go out and look it up. She was a eugenicist who uh, did not, shall we say, to put it mildly, did not come down on the side of viewing black people as being created in the image of God as non-black people are. Uh, so that's why we focus on abortion so much because in America, it has its roots. Its genesis is in black communities. So how almost 10 out of every 10 black voters predictably can go out and support a candidate or a political party that advocates the self-destruction of your own people of people, and what by that I mean people who look like you, mm. you're participating by virtue of your vote, the self-destruction of of image bearers who look just like you, and you do that predictably every election cycle. That's a head shaker, man. I just don't get it. Now yeah. I I get why why black non-Christians would do that, mm-hmm. but if you're a professing Christian, a professing follower of Jesus Christ who created you and who knew you before you were even formed in your mother's Mm -hmm. womb. Mm -hmm. The argument of what you are in your mother's womb is moot. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because your God knew you before then. (laughs) Absolutely. There's something that, that he, the conclusions that he gets to, at the end of the article, I, I think are, are are worth are worth considering. He says he says this, bro, and I'm I'm quoting from his uh, from his article toward the end of the piece. It says, whatever the label one chooses, uh, white evangelicalism has become synonymous with republicanism. Uh, it is not evaluating the label that matters. What matters is interrogating evangelicalism's long-standing political priorities. And 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 I, I to be fair, I, I think he's right. I think there are there are reasons why many in the evangelical world have have held closely uh, to republicanism, if if you want to call it that. <clears throat> I think there are stances that they've taken that that are that that are in line with the biblical worldview. But, but I agree with them. I think I think there's a problem uh, that many have elevated republicanism to the point where they have the straight um and and when and when and when the republican party in their priorities deviates from the biblical worldview we have a responsibility to to say so uh, and to mention that but again i i just i i i can't help but acknowledge and notice the absence of the of 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 a glaring problem that is getting no analysis whatsoever and and that that is that this can be this whole piece, I, I could I could take his article, his tenets, and 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 look at black evangelicalism, right, and right. make the same critical assessment, right. exactly, and and say, you know what, we've we've got a problem, and right. and and it's it's liberalism, it's leftism, it's 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 democratic uh, in nature, and 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 we've we've got to. I I, I I don't disagree with what he stated there, but man, we've if we care about if we care about the bigger issue, not white or black, 
But if we care about redeeming the term evangelical and what it means, that assessment has got to come full circle. Exactly. It's got to be all encompassing. <laughs> and see, here, if I could just throw this out there, sort of a devil's advocate, I could take the title of Tisby's article, which is titled White Evangelicals Must Ask, Why Does Our Theology Lead to Republicanism? I could just as easily, to your point, brother, that you just made, I could easily change that title to say Black Evangelicals Must Ask, Why Does Our Theology Lead to Democratism? Mm-hmm. Okay, and and so I could easily flip. You could this. easily do that. Flip this, and then and then run the same and run analysis. the same analysis. Absolutely, and run Absolutely. the same analysis from the other side. Mm-hmm. So you know. So another point I want to make too here is, uh, when you read the title of the piece, "Why Does Our Theology Lead to Republicanism?" There's republicanism, and then there's republicanism. <laughs> okay, so we we need to understand that distinction first. Mm. Republicanism, as as I would define myself as, is a political ideology that is in op- opposition to monarchy and tyranny. Mm. My republicanism is rooted in my conservatism. It's not rooted in a political mm. alignment, a p- political party alignment. Right. Okay, so we need to make some distinguishing some some dis, we need to distinguish the terms here. Uh, so when, when Tisby asks the question, "Why does why do evangelical theology lead to republicanism?" Listen, there there's more than the republicanism of the Republican Party. Mm. Okay, mm-hmm. so we need to make that distinction number one. But the the broader point I wanted to make is is what we are talked about is I can easily take this title and flip it mm-hmm. to black evangelicals and ask them the exact same question. And and here's exactly. the thing. I, I think it would be worth asking the question if we're going to, 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 to restore. I mean, we've, we, we've all, we're all a part of the body of Christ. We're all, we're all one in Christ, right? Vert, 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 vert. You know, if you ask that question, bro, you know what answer you're going to get. <laughs> You know, we've been, you know we've, what? We've been, given, we've been given the we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, right? Bruh. You know, and and, and there, there's no examination. There's 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 just a one sided view of of what this all is. You know, you know what answer you're going to get, and to bring ironically to bring this podcast full circle, you're going to get an answer that's similar to that brother who wants to go start that who's going to start that black church, that church for only black men. Well, we got to we got to vote for the uh, Democrats because, you know, Democrats care about us. Right. They they can relate to my suffrage. They can relate to how I'm feeling about uh, American and white evangelicalism and how it's oppressing me and keeping keeping me down. Republicans don't care about that. It's crazy, man. As as you kind of articulate that, I recognize, man, as as Jamar, Jamar Tisby in this article, at least, is is fueling the fodder for 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 jomo for for the other for the other brother right. that that i mean this is this is this is the kind of read that causes a uh, westminster seminarian uh who is a part of a presbyterian church to believe that the answer to this is not the gospel right but that the answer to this is to go start something you're calling church yeah as you put a racist banner over the top in, in an effort to, in an effort to combat that, which you hated, you become that very thing. You become the very thing. You become that very thing. And now I call that cannibalism. That's what I call it. <laughs> I call it ecclesiolo- ecclesiological cannibalism. Mm. So you're using the church basically to destroy yourself, you know, mm. which again leads us to that. That's, this is the question that won't go away. Why? church mm. why church mm-hmm. you see why, why are you, you you it's amazing man how people like this brother uh and, and even mr tisby to to a certain extent are advocating uh social change which by definition carries with it change within the individual but you're advocating that change through uh systematic Changes or structural yeah. changes or Exter- exter- changes. external changes external on the changes. outside rather than the internal Bingo. changes. Of the heart. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly yeah. right. And that kind of goes back 
to the the piece I just wrote on my blog uh, titled Big Bang Racism. Mm -hmm. This is exactly why folks are looking for external solutions Mm. to a problem that is fundamentally internal. Yeah. It's innate. It's not external. It's not ethereal. It's not out there somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's in you. How do you propose to change an innate sinful behavior? I mean, what do you want, man? Do you want more laws that are going to tell you to obey the laws that are already on the books? (laughs) Don't, don't, uh, no, don't a policeman, police officer. Now police officer already takes an oath. Right. They already take an oath. Right. Protect the public. Right. So what do you want for a police officer who fails to do to uphold that oath? Do you want another law on top of that? Right. To say, well, because, well, there's laws already on the books to deal with that. Right. Now, to the extent that, uh, say, for instance, the complainant or a, a person who was who was uh, had an offense committed against them by the police doesn't receive justice. Well, that's where your trust in the, in the sovereignty of God comes in and the justice of God. That's where that comes in. But to, to, to essentially advocate for more laws on top of the laws that we already have and think that more laws are going to precip- precipitate the type of societal, structural and institutional change that you want to see occur. That's naive. Mm. I don't mean to sound mean, but that's just flat out naive. It's mm-hmm. not going to happen. The gospel is clear about that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, as we get as we get begin to wrap this up, man, I think those are two uh, articles worth going out and examining and, and taking a look at. Um, and then, man, listening to uh, this podcast, walking through. Um, man, and, and I, I'd, I'd be interested, man, as this particular podcast goes out into kind of watching the, the feedback from the folks. Kind of let us know what you're thinking and how you're, you know, how you're, how you're processing this, man. I, I, I don't know a more, uh, a more clear way uh, to, to kind of walk through it than, than what my man Daryl just kind of shared um, as, as you examine these. And then, and then too, I, I, I do want to recommend because, uh, because I know he, he, he won't, he won't do it as emphatically as I will. Uh, I do want to recommend you going out and checking out the just, uh, thinking dot m e his blog at just thinking uh, dot m e uh, I think it's worth uh, you walking through especially especially the one that that uh, that you d- did on uh, Big Bang racism I think it really will underpin everything it'll accentuate a everything that we've talked about and it'll help to provide a wonderful lens uh, through which to examine those two articles man anything anything you'd want to add to that bro. Yeah, Verge, I do want to close, man, because you kind of alluded to this earlier, man, about how we have the Ministry of Reconciliation. So, you know, one thing we do here on the Just Thinking podcast, just like I do on the blog, we're going to sandwich every single topic that we address. We're going to sandwich it within the framework of the gospel. Mm. You're going to hear, if you listen to this, you're not going to just hear the gospel talked about. We open the word of God and we read it. Mm. Uh, So I want to close this out, man, here in 2 Corinthians 5 verses 20 and 21, where Paul writes, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ Mm. as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him and see this brother, brother Johnson, if you listen to this, this is why you're starting a church. This is why you're starting a church Mm. and not a mosque or a synagogue or a temple somewhere. Uh, Second Corinthians 5, 21. He, that is God, made him, that is Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him, that Mm -hmm. is, in Christ. That's why you go to church, because that's the gospel. Mm -hmm. And you're going to hear that nowhere else outside of the church, the church globally, the church body Mm -hmm. globally and locally. That is the gospel. Amen. And that's why you go to church. That's why you go to church, man. Man, you took us full circle, bro. Hey, man, that was by the providence of God, man. You know how we do, man. We don't have notes. This isn't scripted <laughs> or anything, man. So that was just the providence of God to bring us back. 
to where we kicked it off from. Absolutely. Bro. Absolutely. Man, it's always a pleasure, my brother. I hope that our audience enjoyed this particular podcast, man. If you did, share it. Uh, subscribe to us, man. Connect with us, man. You can catch us on Facebook and Twitter and all different spaces. Big shout out to Dwayne uh, of the Bar Podcast, man. We always want to shout back the guy that helped make it all happen. And I uh, appreciate him as well, man. Well, bro, I, without further ado, man, you got anything you want to leave every, everybody with as we as we part ways tonight? Man, I think we left them with enough tonight, man. <laughs> man, this, episode, man. This, yeah, this this was this was a full. This, this was, was a, almost a double dose, man. It was, man. It really they, was. They got, they, got, they got a dose and a half at least. Yeah, it really was, man. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, good deal. Well, y'all take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to Just Thinking, a podcast brought to you by The Bar Podcast Network. You can find all of Just Thinking episodes at www.thebarpodcast.com. Tune in next week to another edition of Just Thinking. And remember, let's think. What's up, bar listeners? It's finally here, the bar exclusive content. Yes, that's right. You can sign up to receive exclusive content as low as $2 a week or $5 a month, $50 for the year to get exclusive content. What is the exclusive content? I'm glad you asked. The exclusive content is additional information from my guests, extra time with them in like the green moon setting, laid back, them asking me questions, I ask them questions, and also the Facebook group. You get an invitation to the Facebook group where we will have discount codes for the bar gear and many many more make sure you sign up the links in the show notes join the vip inside the bar group and we'll see you there